and welcome back to Invest Africa's Meet the Entrepreneur podcast series. We've got plenty of exciting entrepreneurs and investors lined up to join us this season, but to kick us off, a special announcement. This year, we're partnering with Untaps the Nest on a series of pitch sessions. Each month, we will host a pitch event online or in person, offering entrepreneurs the opportunity to pitch to our panel of angel investors. The sessions will be interactive, and at the end, the angels will be given the opportunity to make investments themselves. The aim of this initiative is to feed back into the tech ecosystem, and throughout the year, I'll be bringing you stories from some of the innovative startups featured on the pitches. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Jim Chu, founder of Untapped, and an investor and entrepreneur himself, to talk about his journey so far and the work we're going to be doing together this year. Jim, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you for having me. And I just want to make one uh, quick point about the Nest. And you mentioned the Nest being a online or in-person. It's actually a hybrid event. It's online and in-person, meaning that we're trying to bring together both the advantages of a virtual event as well as the uh, benefits of a in-person event, allowing people to really interact and get to know each other, but also uh, cross boundaries. Yeah, that's right. And the hope is, you know, as um, as we navigate these uh, uncertain times, we'll have a bit of flexibility uh, to get the maximum number of people involved in the, in the program that we can. Um, so, Jim, Untap's mission, you say, is to unlock the potential of the next billion. Um, so perhaps just to kick us off, you could tell the listeners a bit more about how you plan to do that and how the Nest feeds into that sort of stated mission of yours. Great. So at Untapped, we, we see small businesses as uh, a driving force of most economies, and especially those in Africa on the continent. Um, you know, over 70% of the economy in sub-Saharan Africa is informal. And for the most part, small and medium-sized enterprises uh, are excluded from the financing ecosystem. Either you are small enough to get microfinance, or you're large enough to get project finance uh, or conventional capital from a bank. But if you're anything in between a power plant or borrowing money to buy a cow, you're, you're kind of out of luck. And so we see this as a major opportunity. And according to the World Bank, there is a $5.2 trillion financing gap among micro, small, medium-sized enterprises. And so we think if we can, innovate on how we lend to that segment, that missing middle, we can unlock millions of entrepreneurs and really empower billions of people to access basic products and services. Um, and I know that as, as part of this, you're sort of launching something called um, the Smart Asset Financing product, really targeted at that sort of missing uh, middle financing option gap. Um, so perhaps you could just tell us a bit more about, about how that works, how investors can, can access financing through the platform. Right. So a lot of investors who are familiar with the continent or investing and working in emerging markets will be familiar with the fact that in the last 20 years, uh, mobile technology and digitization has taken over uh, those markets. And what we've seen is increasingly there are companies that are offering uh, digitally managed assets. So they're selling their products, their technology, whether they be motorcycles or water treatment systems or irrigation systems or uh, vending machines or whatever they are on a financing model that is linked to digital payments and IoT or Internet of Things devices, essentially controlled by Internet of Things. 
uh, and you hear things such as pay-as-you-go or pay-go and other uh, purchase models, embedded financing, putting the financing into the service itself, or as I would like to say, it's the Africa version of SaaS, right? Um, essentially, SaaS is um, pay-as-you-go and financing the infrastructure of IT into a service. Well, Africans have done the same thing, but with more things than just software, with all sorts of different types of equipment and so on. So what we've done is we've consolidated the demand for many of these, uh, what we call technology-enabled or smart asset financing opportunities, and developed an investment platform that allows investors to put their money directly into those type of assets and to gather the data in a way that creates true transparency and real-time feedback on your investments. So an investor can really put their money in, see immediate returns, not wait five years as in uh, an equity investment or 10 years or even longer, but rather to start seeing a return on investment within six months, 18 months, and have the liquidity uh, that uh, I think most investors are really looking for, while still partaking in the growth of uh, the continent. So smart asset financing really is just riding another trend, which is using digital payments and IoT technology, but trying to consolidate that so that we can make the whole thing more efficient. Um, and, and you mentioned there sort of riding a trend. Um, so, and perhaps if we sort of zoom out a little to the sort of uh, the African tech space um, and entrepreneurship, what's quite interesting is, you know, we get a number of reports every year from Artec and VentureBurn and Disrupt Africa, and the figures are different. But one thing that's quite consistent is that investment is growing and it has continued to grow even um, despite of the disruption caused by COVID-19 and disruption to sort of investment flows. Um, so why, why do you think that is? Why do you think that momentum seems to be actually quite resilient compared to other sort of sectors? Well, I think uh, the uh, well, tech investing and, and venture capital in particular has been uh, still nascent, but is growing rapidly in Africa. And I think Africa is just part of the broader uh, COVID trend of accelerating digital businesses. And we've seen the same thing, but because so much of the investment in venture investment is going into fintech, is going into health tech, going into tech that makes the physical a little bit less important. I think we've seen an acceleration of those kind of companies doing well and pivoting in many cases, but also more venture money going into those areas as well. Uh, I would argue also that because of what's happening in developed markets in the US and Europe, uh, people are looking for different places to invest. We all know that the stock markets in Europe and the U.S., or at least certainly in the U.S., are a little bit frothy. So there's a fair amount of volatility. Everybody still wants to be there. But we, we are, we're looking abroad and in different places for alternative investment opportunities as well. So I think there's a little bit of that potentially happening. And uh, hopefully we see more of that. Um, over the next two years. Um, and you're based in, in the US um, yourself. And I was curious to ask you, because you know, historically US investment into, into Africa hasn't been as strong as some of the more traditional partners in, in sort of Europe. Um, so do you, based on what you were just saying, do you do you see that changing a little, at least in the in the tech space? 
Well, I hope we can make that happen ourselves, untapped. Yeah, look, I think you're absolutely right. I think Africa for many is far away and it's difficult to understand and it's uh, scary. And I think there are many preconceived notions about what Africa is and is not. Um, one of the reasons we started the nest actually was to really bridge that gap, um, that perception gap. Um, I, I think there's a um, misperception of the risk when it comes to investing in, in African markets. And so, uh, you know, one way is to try to convince people with numbers, which we do, but the other way is to actually connect people and help international investors, especially American investors, understand what's going on in the market, who the entrepreneurs are. And, you know, I've seen firsthand uh, when you put entrepreneurs, frontier market entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs from Africa, uh, in the same Zoom room, even, as an American investor, and they see, oh, wow, they're doing some really interesting stuff. You see, even from Zoom, the, the, the clicking in people's eyes that, hey, there's a market here. You know, it isn't just about Silicon Valley. And there's an investment thesis yet to be found, yet to be exploited, yet to be realized. And so I think more and more so people are... Um, Curious about the opportunity, I think it's incumbent on us, uh, Invest Africa Untapped, to show them the opportunities. And I think even more importantly, to create the appropriate opportunities, because we, we can't just cut and paste what we do in the U.S. and take that to Africa and say, hey, everything's going to be great. Right? We really have to understand the local markets, understand what the local needs are, and create the right financing instruments, the right investment theses and investment models to make it successful. No, yeah, that's absolutely, that's absolutely you know, our, our aim as well. Um, so perhaps we could talk a, a little bit maybe about, about, about some of those opportunities in um, more detail, and particularly on the Nest. You know, you have been running this program already now for um, a year, and I think you've seen over $2 million of investment um, go into these startups. So have you got any sort of um, stories from the show so far? Any, any startups you'd like to highlight that you're particularly Oof. excited about? Wow, gosh. Um, <laughs> it's like... Uh... It's like choosing your favorite child, uh, almost impossible. Uh, look, I, I, and, and full disclosure, uh, you know, I think the ones that I would mention are the ones that I have personally invested in. Um, I think it ran, runs the gamut. You know, I think you have some that are the more obvious, um, you know, a fintech investment in Nigeria or, um, or you know, mobility uh, in East Africa, um, I think those have been interesting. So, for example, OnePipe is a uh, retail banking aggregator in Nigeria. I think uh, one of the exciting things about that is uh, the entrepreneur wasn't fully convinced about coming onto the nest. They came onto the nest. Within a few days, they were oversubscribed by hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because not not because per se that the investors on the nest were so great, but rather um, it gave that the, the profile a boost. And um, they would have eventually found it anyway, but I think it accelerated that whole process and hopefully made it simpler for the entrepreneur. Um, so I think, uh, um, you know, Ope um, found it useful to be on the nest with the entrepreneur. So you have those, I think I would call more obvious opportunities. Uh, another that um, is a bit of a, a, a darling of mine is uh, one of the first entrepreneurs that came on the last, in fact, not one of the worst, but probably the first 
entrepreneur to pitch on the nest, which was an insect protein company, uh, Talash Hoover's uh, Insectopro. And, you know, we picked a fairly broad swath of uh, entrepreneurs and companies to present that week. We had... Um, you know, a, a tech platform we had for, for, for a motorcycle, for mobility. We had insect protein, quite a diverse set. And it was clear from, and this is what I meant, mean by uh, creating that human connection. When you listen to her talk about her business and you listen to her background, you knew there was passion behind it. You knew that there was a long-term commitment. And as I like to say, um, Early stage investing and entrepreneurship is about showing up and sticking around, not just a flash of genius. And it was clear that uh, she was in this for, for the long haul. And so uh, I decided to do a, um, again, this was a very, very, very early stage, but I decided to do both an equity and debt investment in that company. And, um, you know, Talash and her team have been able to turn that around very quickly and start generating revenue immediately. And I'll speak to a little bit about the SME opportunity um, because it's very different than your typical equity investment. It's completely different than the investment in the FinTech OnePipe. It was primarily a working capital CapEx investment. And because, you know, she's a brand new business, she's essentially a startup, Getting money from a bank was near impossible, right? So she had some money from friends and family, but getting money from a conventional financial institution was very difficult. You know, with a mix of equity and debt and quasi-equity, we were able to deploy some capital, and she turned that around immediately into revenues. So, uh, and because she was able to turn that money into equipment, which turned it into uh, um, uh, fulfilling contracts she, she already had, you know, it was very quick turnaround. And so those kind of opportunities are plentiful in, on the continent because there's such a missing, there's such a gap in the financing market. And so I, I think, you know, that's one of the more uh, instructive uh, investments and one of my favorites simply because it highlights so well the opportunity in Africa. If we can provide a better model for lending around working capital, around trade finance, around capex financing, I think we can unlock a tremendous amount of value on the continent. Um, and it's interesting that, it, that you mentioned um, on your first one a hesitancy to come on to, to the nest. And you know, I talk to uh, entrepreneurs um, a lot on this show, and they often describe the sort of the challenge and actually sort of the personal toll of, of going through a, a funding round um, and how difficult it can be to sort of know, uh, know where to go, navigate navigate through the process, especially when you've not done, done it before. Um, so I suppose, well, first of all, I'm curious, why, why do you think there was a hesitancy to use a public forum like the NEST? Well, I think there, there is some hesitancy to uh, put oneself out there, uh, whether that be uh, oh, am I ready to do that? Or it could be, well, I don't want my sensitive IP to be out there. Um, you know, look, investors want pretty clear information when it comes to valuation financials. Some people don't want to put their financials out there. Some people don't want to, to, to commit to evaluation. And, you know, obviously, at the end of the day, the entrepreneurs will say or do whatever or reveal whatever they want to reveal. 
But, you know, look, if you don't talk about value, if you don't put the offer in front of investors, it's hard to it's hard for any investors to make decisions. So I think there's some hesitancy because of readiness, because of uh, a reluctance to put out, quote unquote, sensitive information. I would argue to them that, you know, look, if you're not ready to present, then you shouldn't present. But once you are ready, and once you have a clear ask, you have clear traction, you have a clear business model, you should be able to say that in five minutes, at least generate interest in five minutes, and you should be able to talk in a public forum what your ask is and what your financials are. And if you're hesitant about any of those things, you're probably not ready. And, and we should mention that, that your team does sort of offer um, some support to, to the entrepreneurs on that side and people aren't sort of um, sent, sent into the sort of lion's den without any uh, preparation for what to expect. Well, you know, we, we, we really focus on the format and we push entrepreneurs to follow the format. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a straight five minutes. We ask for very specific uh, pieces of information. Um, is there coaching? You know, we partner with various groups to provide some of that uh, coaching. But, you know, as a very American uh, legal disclaimer, we're not here to help you coach, right? Uh, we're, we're offering a forum and we're providing some advice and that's really it. Um, and now, so you've, you know, you've been on sort of both sides of the coin in, in, um, in this as sort of an entrepreneur and as an investor. So um, I was wondering if you had maybe sort of a top few pieces of advice to, to anyone listening who is an entrepreneur and who's, and who's sort of embarking on this for the first time. What do you wish you had known? And now, looking at it from the other side, what have you learned from that that you know you, you wish someone had told you earlier? Yeah, uh, you know, I think my my core key, my broad piece of advice is that investors are just humans. They're just human beings, people who, just like you, have. Uh, rational motivations, irrational motivations, and I would really encourage entrepreneurs to uh, think about the investors they're pitching to as just people. And number one, understand who they are and what their motivations are and what uh, they're after. And don't pitch to somebody who doesn't care about what you're doing. Right? Find the people who care about what you're doing. Find the people who... Um, uh, have a potential buying into your investment thesis that believe what you believe and understand them and talk to yourself talk to them as person to person okay? a lot of people want a formula for how to pitch for how to uh, get funded unfortunately there isn't a formula because there isn't one kind of investor and I think one of the core pieces of Getting funding is, of course, having a good business, but also understanding who your investors are so you can create the right investment thesis and the right business model that will appeal to them. At the same time, and I think this is a big, big caveat here, um, be who you are. Right? It's easy to say, oh, gosh, investors want to hear this, so I'm going to contort my business model and... Uh, not just my pitch, my whole business model to appeal to what investors want, whether it be, you know, um, renewable energy or whatever it is. Be careful. That's a slippery slope. 
stick to what you think the business model is, and yes, pull out the pieces of your business model that appeal to the investors you're pitching to. But crossing that line of contorting your business so that you sound good to investors, that's always a recipe for disaster. Useful, yeah, useful advice, I'm sure, for lots of people um, listening. Um, perhaps as we sort of, as we, as we draw towards, you know, the end of our conversation, it'd be yeah, really good to look sort of to the future a little bit. Um, and I'd really like to get some of your thoughts on which, which sectors or which markets are exciting um, you at the moment in African tech as, as, as an investor. What are you looking at? Well, again, there's the, there are the obvious ones, uh, fintech in places like Nigeria in particular. Um, I think mobility is quite exciting. I think uh, many outside of Africa fail to realize um, the importance of moving around, getting around, and the resources to get around. Um, and uh, things such as as mundane as uh, how do you make the motorcycle taxi sector more efficient? Um, yeah, whether that be financing motorcycle taxi drivers or making, uh, bringing electric vehicles into motorcycle taxis or uh, electric motorcycles. Those are, I think, uh, very interesting. Um, in particular, I've invested in companies that are in uh, electric vehicle or electric mobility in East Africa. Um, I think electric vehicles and electric mobility is a matter of when, not if. It will happen in Africa. And it's just a matter of when that will happen. And so I think um, making the right investments now so that you're there when it happens is, is our strategy. And I think it's a, it's a good strategy. Um, I think another area that is quite interesting is, again, uh, and this is a, a, a big of a, uh, obviously an internal bias with Untap, but I think figuring out how to um, support SMEs and small businesses, whether it's through smart asset financing or another instrument to provide financing and growth capital to SMEs. I think that's a big untapped opportunity. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting you say that because, you know, often people think about tech in sort of the B2C sense, you know, and, and um, some of the, the, the B2B startups and tech solutions that are actually um, really exciting and, and can have a really big impact on the sort of the sector as a whole and enabling other um, other startups to come up can get a little forgotten in, in some of these conversations we have about leapfrogging. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think even the definitions there become a little bit strained because I think when we think about B2B in the U.S., we're talking about, you know, um, selling to at least medium-sized corporations, uh, medium-sized companies and, and, and you know, medium-sized corporations and not larger corporations. Um, but I think, and obviously the consumer in the U.S. setting is a very standard consumer, Um but I think in the Africa setting, there's a blurring of lines between those two, especially in informal markets, because so many of the quote-unquote businesses act like consumers. And so you need to pick up the trade or pick up the tricks of appealing to consumers, but you're really creating a business proposition, a business value proposition. So in our smart asset financing model, as an example, we're focused 100% on what we call productive assets. 
We don't say B to C or B to D, but they're productive assets, meaning they generate revenue for those who are operating that asset. Is it a company? Is it a person? Well, we recognize that those lines are often blurred in uh, Sub-Saharan Africa in particular, but in many markets. And so we're less focused on who the entity is. Of course, that still matters. But we're more focused on securing the revenue stream from the asset through digital means. And so it matters less now exactly who, if it's a consumer or if it's a business or what entity we're talking about. It's really what kind of business surrounds that asset. Um, so perhaps, Jim, to sort of to sort of wrap us up, um, it'd be great to get from you in sort of just a few sentences. Um, why why do you tell invest? Why would you tell investors to look at African tech now? And to why why should people be looking at those solutions like you mentioned, electric vehicles that are, that are for a market maybe that doesn't quite exist. Um, yet in Africa, but, um, but could do. I think there's both a push and a pull uh, happening. I think on the push side, you know, look, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of opportunity in U.S. and European markets, uh, obviously still, and great IPO markets uh, and, you know, very mature investing ecosystem in place. But I would argue that there is a bit of saturation. And unless you are in the top 20% of uh, venture funds or you're investing, you're an LP in one of the top uh, venture funds, the returns aren't great. And there's, there's a bit of froth both in the venture market as well as in the actual stock market. And so, you know, I think continuing to invest in these developed markets, the U.S. and Europe is obviously still very smart. But... A little bit of diversification isn't dumb either. And so looking abroad, whether that's to Southeast Asia or to Latin America or to Africa, uh, is a smart thing to do. Looking at alternative assets outside of public equities is a smart thing to do. So I would really encourage investors to think about how do you diversify your portfolio um, to really create um, you know, some some some. Uh, counterweight to your your to your U.S. equity portfolio, create different kinds of exposure. The pull really is, and people have been saying this for decades. True, you know, the African century is around the corner, or right now it's in the Asia century. Uh, well, I would say it's a bit more nuanced, right? Um, you can't just stick your money in Africa and say, "Oh, my job is done." I put it into an ETF focused on emerging markets. I'm going to just sit back and relax now. But I do think there is a misperception of risk. There's a much higher risk premium for investing in Africa than the actual risk. And I think demographically and economically, there's such incredible amount of growth that if you can invest in the right sectors, in the right markets, and in the right way, there's a tremendous amount of upside. And that is mostly fueled by this last 20 years of digitization that's been happening. One of the most exciting things for me is seeing this potential leapfrogging. And I, we've already talked about leapfrogging around you know, mobile money and you know, people, most investors listening to this probably are familiar with M-Pesa and how Africa has gone to mobile money much faster than most of the rest of the world, uh, partly because there was a need for it. There wasn't an alternative. Right? But I think there's also a potential leapfrog overall around peer-to-peer -peer digitization 
and decentralization. Or then that be around um, creating digital peer-to-peer -peer transactions to replace analog peer-to-peer -peer transactions, which has been the norm uh, in informal markets. And you know, trillions of dollars uh, are transacted through these informal markets. Or it is uh, leveraging blockchain and cryptocurrencies to create alternative means of, uh, of, of transactions that are more stable than your usual currencies. It's a wild west, and as we know, in open, young markets like this, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of potential to be realized. Jim, thanks, thanks so much for coming on and, and speaking to us about you know, the work you're doing and, and um, your insights, I'm sure will be really helpful to lots of people. Um, just to let everyone know, so we're going to be kicking off this Thursday um, with our first joint session of the NES, which is going to be uh, focused on health tech. Um, and I'm particularly excited because one of our former guests on the podcast is going to be pitching uh, in that session. So that's, um, yeah. Great. Um, Medsaf. Uh, Great. Medsaf. Vivian. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had Vivian on at the uh, um, last year. So I will share the link to that uh, interview in the description for anyone who, um, who would like to learn a bit more about Medsaf before we start. It's a really interesting company. Yeah, so that's this Thursday, uh, the 18th of February uh, at uh, 4 p.m. GMT, right? It is indeed. And I will put the links for everyone in the description here um, to join that. And then um, the following month in March, we're going to be looking at cryptocurrency, interesting, which, which, you, uh, which you just mentioned um, there as one of your ones to watch. So looking forward to that as well. Um, so thanks again. Thanks again, Jim. Thank you, Eleanor. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you.